You're listening to the Trace Church Rock Rimmon podcast. What's up, Trace? Uh, can I just say we miss you guys? Like these empty chairs are nowhere near as fun as you all, but I hope you're doing well. Um, if this is your first time watching us online, I would just ask that you let us know. Uh, you can write in the comments below, hashtag new to Trace, and someone will get connected with you. But at the same time, we hope that you will get connected as well. But if this is your first time, or maybe you've been coming here for a while now, we as a church are on mission to leave a trace of God's love everywhere that we go, or in this case, everywhere that we stay, that we don't just want to be a church in this city, we want to be a church that is for this city. And that is why today we get to celebrate the fact that as a church, we were able to give right around $5,000 worth of school supplies to some families in Colorado Springs that potentially needed it the most that we partnered with Mark Twain Elementary School and were able to give uh, parents the opportunity to homeschool their kids. But not only that, with the money that we had left over uh, from last week's Easter offering, we were able to create a benevolence fund so that if there's any needs that arise and people come in, we're able to meet those needs as a church. And so that's something worth celebrating. So if you would, just take a moment with whoever you're with and celebrate that with us. Uh, We're so excited for that. But my name is Josiah, and I have the opportunity to be one of the pastors here. And we're actually starting a new series today called The Quarantine Chronicles. And if you're anything like me, like you're probably pretty tired of the season. Like if I can be transparent for a moment, and don't judge me for this, but like I'm bad at this whole uh, quarantine thing. It seems like every single conversation I'm having is about the coronavirus, is about uh, social distancing or, you know, another quarantine mean, but I'm bad at social distancing. I've only made it actually one whole day uh, being in my house the entire day without going to take a walk or going to Sonic to get a drink. Like, I'm bad at this. And if it weren't for my wife, Jessica, I would probably be, be one of the main contributors to this problem. But we're surrounded by the same walls. We're surrounded by the same views. We're surrounded by the same voices. And we turn on the news, and sure enough, there it is. We open social media, and of course, there it is. We try to call someone, text someone, reach out to an old friend, and you better believe that it's going to be a topic that comes up. And while I don't think it's healthy to ignore it, I think our society is tired of bad news. And that's exactly what drove uh, John Krasinski to start his own uh, news broadcast called Some Good News. And I think this is awesome. But all it is is John gathering a bunch of stories of people putting aside their wants so that they can help meet some needs. And then he strings them all together just so people can hear some good news. Whether it is a pizza place uh, that transitioned into making masks for medical workers or it's uh, teachers and parents that are you know, loving on their students at this time. Or maybe it's a kid who's, who really wanted McDonald's on their birthday, but all the McDonald's in their city was clo- were closed, and so this dad actually made a drive-through service uh, for their kid to have McDonald's at home. Whatever the case, people are desperate right now for some good news. And within one week, this news broadcast got over 1.5 million subscribers and over 11 million views. Right now, some good news is one of the um, most rapidly growing Google searches. Why? Simply because one guy noticed that when there is a lot of bad news, we tend to miss the good news. That when things get hard, we like to shut our eyes so that we don't have to see all the bad things going on around us. But when we do this... 
We miss the good things too, right? And this is exactly what drove Paul to write the letter to the Philippians, that Paul simply wanted to provide some good news amidst a bad situation. But to truly understand what is being written here, I think it's important that we open our eyes to what is going on at the time when it was being written. If I could say it this way, sometimes we need to look at the context before we look at the content. That it's important to understand exactly what it is that is going on. And so before we dive into the content of Philippians, let's take a moment and look at the context, okay? So Philippians is a letter uh, that was written by a Jewish guy named Paul. And Paul was a Christian persecutor turned uh, church planner after he encountered Jesus. That he went from killing Christians to converting Jews into being Christians. And after this happened, he started traveling all around the Mediterranean Sea, all around Asia Minor, uh, planting different churches. And you can read all about this in the book of Acts. If you have some time this week, I'd highly encourage you to do that. However, one of the uh, churches that Paul planted was in a city called Philippi. And Philippi was a massive city in the ancient world for a number of different reasons. But as I was studying this, it actually reminded me a lot of our location here in Colorado Springs, that it laid at the bottom of a bunch of different mountains, giving it uh, an abundance of natural resources. It was also a military town that Roman soldiers that were victorious in battle were actually offered land here in Philippi to settle. But more than that, it was a rapidly growing city due to its location near a major highway. And no, it wasn't Highway 25. It was called the Ignatian Way. And the Ignatian Way stretched from east to west across the Roman Empire. But in many ways, just like Philippi looked a lot like Colorado Springs, it looked a lot like Rome as well. That the city itself was actually set up to look exactly like Rome that the language was changed from Greek to Latin, and any trend that happened in Rome would soon follow in Philippi as well. And much like our decision to plant a church here in Colorado Springs because of the opportunities we saw, Paul made a very similar decision to plant a church in this city called Philippi. That first he started with a few people, but then uh, things continued to grow. The hope of the gospel continued to spread. And before too long, you had a church. You had a large gathering of people that followed Jesus and shared the gospel with everyone that they met. And so after this church was planted, Paul decided that his work there was done. And so he started traveling around and to different cities and he planted another church and another church and another church. All the while, his heart and his mind was set on Rome, that Paul believed if he could get to Rome, if he could plant a church in Rome, then he could make the biggest impact possible for the kingdom of God. And Paul eventually did make it to Rome, but it probably wasn't how he thought he was going to make it. It's actually probably pretty similar uh, to the fact that many of us have dreamed of what it would be like to work from home. But now that we're doing it, we didn't really think this is what it meant to work from home. But Paul did make it to Rome, but he didn't make it in a chariot, you know, screaming the gospel from the rooftops. He didn't make it to Rome with his friends and companions. Instead, Paul was brought to Rome in chains. That the Romans heard of this group, this movement called Christianity. And they knew that their ringleader was this guy named Paul who was spreading the word all across the Roman Empire. And so they had him arrested. But because Paul was a Roman citizen, he had the opportunity to go on trial before Caesar in Rome. But before that could happen, they put Paul on house arrest. 
that Paul was uh, given a stay-at-home order, that Paul was quarantined to a home, that he was not allowed to leave, he was not allowed to go out, he was not allowed to go see his friends, he was not allowed to go see his favorite restaurants. Instead, Paul sat in a room with no Tiger King to watch, no Netflix or Disney Plus subscriptions. It was just him and his thoughts. And so rather than sitting in boredom, Paul decided to use the technology that was available to him to reach out to some of his friends. And so Paul began to write some letters. Specifically, he would write these letters to several of the different churches that he planted across Asia Minor and uh, to encourage them, to critique them, and to spur them on. And we call these letters the prison epistles, or as we have deemed them here, the quarantine chronicles. That from house arrest, Paul, he writes these letters to the people of Philippi who are going through a hard season in their faith. And while they're not outright being persecuted, they're not being harmed or killed for their faith just yet, they are being ridiculed. They are being discriminated against by their Roman neighbors. And listen, this is the context of this letter. This is the place that Paul is writing from. He is sitting in a season that is surrounded by bad news, and he simply just wants to provide some good news. And so Paul, he's going to start out his letter by telling who, he's, who is writing the letter, that Paul is writing the letter. And then he's going to share you know, who he's writing it to, that he's writing it to the church in Philippi. But then he's going to offer why he writes this letter that Paul is going to provide three goals for people that after they read uh, this letter, he hopes that they experience these three things. And the first goal that he talks about is joy, that he wants them to experience joy. And he says this in verse four, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. That these Christians in Philippi, they are experiencing a difficult season. They are feeling disconnected. They are feeling a bit hopeless. And Paul says, if I can do anything for you, let me help you experience joy. But not just that, because he continues on in verse 9. He says, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. That not only does Paul want people to, to grow in their joy, but he also wants them to grow in their love and in their wisdom. Listen, is there anyone here today that would like to experience just a little bit more joy? Is there anybody watching this morning that would like their life to be characterized by love? Is there anyone here listening today that would like to have just a little bit more wisdom when it comes to the decisions that they are making on a daily basis. Guys, that is what this series is all about. That is what uh, this letter is all about. In a time where we are constantly surrounded by bad news, let us take some time to see something good. Because I think there's a lot that we can learn from this letter that Paul writes to this church in Philippi. But perhaps there's even more that we could learn from the place that Paul is writing from. And I think that all of us could use a little bit more joy, just a little bit more love, just a little bit more wisdom in this season right now. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn them on or turn them open to Philippians chapter one. Growing up, I was told all the time, uh, I grew up in church and I was told all the time, don't lie in church. Like that's not a good thing to do. And the truth is you shouldn't lie anywhere. 
But as I've grown older, there are a couple lies that I've heard in church. Uh, maybe like this one, like everyone in here has their lives all together. Everyone in the church has their lives all together. That, that, that just simply is not true. Or, you know, the church is just after your money. Or how about this one? I'm praying for you. Like how many times have we said that and not followed through on that? However, another lie that I've recently discovered when it comes uh, to the church is this one. I'm good. I'm good. That when people ask, how are you doing, or whether we don't have the time or we simply just don't want to tell people how we're actually doing, uh, we simply respond, I'm good. But one of the things I've noticed as a result of this pandemic is this, that because we have more time on our hands, our answers to that question, how are you doing, have actually gotten a little bit more honest. It's as if somebody is asking us, how are you really doing? And so Paul, in the beginning of his letter, after he tells who is writing it, after he tells who is, he's writing it to and why he's writing this letter, Paul is going to check in. It's as if somebody is asking Paul, Paul, how are you really doing? Because we've heard some rumors. We've heard some things. We understand you're on house arrest. How are you really doing? And so Paul is going to answer them in verse 12 by saying this. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains, but not just in chains, I am in chains for Christ. That you can almost see Paul smiling as he says this. It's as if Paul is saying the gospel is good and so I'm good. That if the gospel is advancing, then Paul is dancing. And at first glance, this can kind of hit us in a weird spot especially after discussing where it is that Paul was, like Paul's situation. Like Paul's in chains. Paul is stuck in a house. He is on death row. He's awaiting uh, his execution. But none of this seems to deter Paul's faith. If anything, it seems to strengthen Paul's faith. If anything, he is more convicted about the people around him knowing Jesus. But how can this be his disposition? Because I can tell you with 100% honesty, this has not been the case for me. But I think it's because Paul understands this truth, that your obstacle could be God's opportunity, that your obstacle can very quickly actually become God's opportunity, that for Paul, captivity, this obstacle that most of us would see as an obstacle, his captivity actually gives him a captive audience. And for a lot of you students or kids that are watching this today, this is the same feeling your parents get when they pick you up from school or pick you up from somewhere and they start drilling you with questions. They understand that because you're held captive in the car, they now have a captive audience. That for Paul, it may not be the perfect time to do what he wants to, but it may be the perfect time for these men to hear what they need to. And Paul is not going to let this opportunity go to waste. Uh, when I was young uh, and growing up in my parents' house, I had the opportunity to eat around the dinner table uh, almost every night. And looking back, that was something in my life that I think provided me with a lot of stability. Uh, that no matter how bad my day was or how hard things went, uh, I always knew that I, I could come home that night and there would be a meal on the table and I'd get to talk to my family. And I can tell you now, when I was a teenager, I did not see it that way. It was kind of a waste of time when I was a teenager. But looking back, I am very grateful for that. And even now, when I go home to my parents' house, one of my favorite things to do is sit around the dinner table with my parents or my brothers and simply just share stories with them. But I remember this story that my father told me when I was uh, home. And he said this, there was this one time your grandfather, uh, my grandfather, he got sick. 
so sick, in fact, that he had to go to the hospital to have some surgery done. And so sure enough, my dad and his mom took my grandfather to the hospital for the surgery, and they began waiting for him. And this was quite a long surgery, it was about eight hours, and so they sat in the waiting room for a very long time until eventually, after a while, a man came out uh, pushing my grandfather in a wheelchair. So my dad hopped up to go check in and see how things were going, and as he approached this man, he realized that this man was crying. His cheeks were damp, his eyes were wet, and so he thought there was something wrong, and so he started to freak out a little bit and was like, you know, what happened? What's, what's wrong? Was there a complication? Did something go wrong? And the man didn't answer him. Instead, he handed my grandfather off to another nurse who would take him the rest of the way through the hospital. But before my grandfather left the room, he looked at my dad and he said, hey, I didn't get to finish my story. Would you mind telling him the rest of it? And so my dad laughed a little bit and, you know, thought my grandfather was still on some medication and said, of course, you know, what story were you telling? And my grandfather's tone softened a little bit. And he said, finish the story, Joe. Tell him about our friend Jesus. You see, for the past eight hours, he had not been unconscious. He had taken the time to take an obstacle in his life and use it as an opportunity for God to work. For the last eight hours, he had allowed this man to share his story with him, but then he shared the hope of the gospel stopping right before Jesus Christ so that my dad could finish the story. Listen, your obstacle can very quickly become God's opportunity. Your problem can very quickly become God's platform. And you may not be converting palace guards, and you may not be talking to doctors about Jesus, and listen, I know there's some obstacles in your life. But I believe God wants to use those as opportunities. And you may be sitting there today thinking, like, that's all good and fine, Josiah. But, like, you have no right. Because you have no idea what's going on in my life right now. And you're absolutely right. So let's take a step into reality for a moment. Let's talk about some of the obstacles that you may be facing. Because the truth is, some of you are single. And you haven't gotten to see a lot of people recently. And nobody's reached out to you during this season. For some of you, you're students, and you've worked really hard for the last four years, but you're not going to get to celebrate with a graduation. Some of you have lost your jobs. Some of you have had to cancel or postpone weddings and funerals. Some of you are ready to burn the school supplies and have your kids figure it out for themselves because they're driving you crazy. But on a more serious note, some of your marriages are really struggling. Some of us have fought more in this past couple weeks uh, than we have our entire duration of our marriage. Some of us are suffering from extreme bouts uh, of depression. Some of you have fallen back into uh, past addictions with pornography or alcoholism. Some of you are ready to give up on life altogether. Look, I understand this has not been an easy season. And the last thing I would want to do this morning is minimize the things that you are going through and act like we're all in the same boat, because we're not. And if I could be transparent for a second, I may not be struggling in the same ways that you are, but this has not been an easy season for me either. Man, I've really struggled. I don't have this whole obstacle opportunity thing figured out at all. Like, I've spent a lot of time recently wondering, am I doing enough? Like in my job here at the church, am I doing enough? As a husband, am I doing enough? As a son, am I doing enough? As a follower of Jesus, am I doing enough? I've spent a lot of time asking God to step in, to do something. 
I've spent a lot of time wondering if God is even listening to me. I've been overtired. I've been overworried. I've been overwhelmed. While I don't know where you're currently at, what I do know is this. That we have a God that not only has the power, but we have a God that has the desire to take the things that are obstacles in our lives and turn them into opportunities to advance the gospel. That listen, I believe this to the depths of my soul, that God did not create me, grow me up, place me in my home in Colorado Springs to simply survive. That God's calling on my life is much bigger than that. That it cannot be stopped by a coronavirus, by a stay-at-home order, or by my feelings of inadequacy. Because listen, I refuse to live my life on the defensive forever because I know this is true and this is true of all of us. But when we choose to follow Jesus, we are no longer called to react. We're called to respond. Why? Because that's exactly what God has chosen to do for us. That when we chose to sin, when we chose uh, to disobey God, when we chose to turn our backs on God, God did not simply react. He was not sitting up there scrambling, trying to hold everything together. He was not wondering how this would affect him. He was not concerned about his own safety. No, God chose to respond. God chose to step out of the comforts of heaven and come down here to walk amidst the dirty and the broken, to choose the right thing over the easy thing, to look at all the suffering and separation and sin that we experience to see the broken relationships, to see the dads that bailed, to see the addictions that enslaved, the depression that cripples, the suicide that plagues, and the illness that we experience. And he saw all of that suffering. He saw all of that sin. He saw all of that separation. And he looked at you and he said, you know what? You're worth it. And so he let us nail him to a cross. And he died the death that we deserve that we wouldn't have to deal with any of that again. And he went and he found the things in our lives that were incredible obstacles for us to get to Jesus. And he turned them into the greatest opportunity to see the greatest work that humanity has ever known. And then he provided us with an opportunity that we do not deserve. And we call it grace. We talked about it last week, but Christ died so I could live. Look, I know we are surrounded by bad news on every front, but there is some good news that God wants to take the obstacles in your life and turn them into opportunities. That just like God, we are not called to react. We are called to respond, to take the things in our lives that are hard and hand them over to God to reshape them for his purpose so that someday we can mean these words that Paul writes to the church in Philippi with conviction, and we can say them and know that they are true of us. That, listen, because of our chains, most of the brothers and sisters, that because of our chains, the people of Trace Church have become more confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Church, let that be true of your life that the people of Colorado Springs would know that Trace Church is not just a group of people trying to get through this season, trying to survive, but they would know that we are a church that is dedicated to growing through this season, 
that we would unleash upon this place the risky grace of Jesus Christ, that we, yes, we would be wise. Yes, we would not contribute to the problem, but Trace, let us live up to that phrase, that we are not just a church that is sitting dormant in this city, that we are a church that is dedicated to this city, that we would be a church that simply, uh, not be a church that simply looked after ourselves and focused so much on our own circumstances that we miss what's going on in the lives of others, but that we would be the kind of church that is always looking out for the needs of others and where we get to step in, that people would see a church that is free from fear, free from worry, And not because we've stuck our heads in the sand and decided to ignore what's going on, but because we have decided to attack the problem head on, that we have decided to hand over our obstacles to the only one big enough to deal with them. Listen, I know this is true. God is the only one with the power to handle your challenges. God is the only one with the power to handle your challenges. My only question for you is, will you let him? Will you let him? And you may be sitting there thinking, like, that's great, Josiah. Let's do it, you know. But at the same time, like, if you haven't forgotten, what does that actually look like? Because, I mean, we're stuck in our homes. Like, we can't go out. What can we actually do in this season? And I think those are great questions and questions we need to ask. A couple weeks ago, Mark Cuban was interviewed uh, about how COVID-19 would impact the economy and business at large. And he said this statement, and I think it's very, very profound. He said this, how companies respond right now will define their brand for the next decade. Let me read it again. How companies respond right now will define their brand for the next decade. That we are in a season that will define a, a generation for sure. What companies are doing for their customers, for their employees, will have dramatic impacts years down the road. But this is not just true for business. If you'll let me, let me make this a little bit more personal to you. How parents respond right now will define their children for the next decade. That right now, you may be seeing all the kids at home as a giant obstacle in your life. Man, you may have even told them that. And I know homeschooling is hard, and I know this wasn't what you had planned for your life. But I also know as a parent that you're given an expiration date on how many hours you actually get to invest in your kids. And while this may be an obstacle in your life, maybe it's the perfect opportunity to take some extra time and invest a little bit more intentionally in them, to get back to some rhythms that really matter. Maybe for you, it's just simply eating around the dinner table together or or encouraging your, your family to pray together every night. Or maybe for you, it's taking the time to genuinely encourage your children. And not just like an boy or an girl, but to genuinely sit down and think, what are some qualities in them that I want them to continue to pursue and call those out in them? Or maybe this is a time to find an activity, not just that you love, but that they love as well. And spend some face-to-face time, spend some shoulder-to-shoulder time with them. Look, I'm not a parent, and I'm not going to sit here and act like I understand where you are at as a parent. And I'm not going to sit here and act like I know how to parent, because I don't. But what I do know is this, how parents respond right now will define their kids for the next decade. And so how do you want your kids to be defined? What are you doing now that will have an impact years down the road? Or maybe you do not have kids. Maybe that phrase doesn't strike a chord for you. So let me say it like this, how friends respond right now will define their relationships for the next decade. 
that you may be tempted right now to completely disconnect from others, that right now you may be scared, you, you may be anxious and afraid, and that obstacle in your life may be the very best opportunity for you to reach out to someone with the same level of anxiety as you. Galatians, it says this, share each other's burdens. And in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. That right now may be the perfect opportunity to make sure uh, you reach out to people and to bear each other's burdens. Guys, I hope we are not the kind of church that get to the end of this and realize that we missed some people. It's way too easy to pick up a phone and call someone. And it's amazing how little effort it takes on our part to make a huge difference in the life of someone else. Let us be the kind of church that dare all the more to make sure that people do not go unnoticed. Listen, how friends respond right now will define their relationships for the next decade. How would you like your relationships to be defined? What are you doing now that will impact them years down the road? But finally, and honestly, this one hits closest to home for me. How the church responds right now will define the gospel for the next decade. That if we as a church choose only to react, we choose only to hunker down and focus only on ourselves, it will have a dramatic impact, not just on how people view Trace Church, but on how people view the church, how people view the gospel, how people view Jesus himself. Let us be the kind of church that removes obstacles for people to get to Jesus, not the kind of church that puts them up. So how can we as a church, how can you as a family, how can you as an individual respond? What needs can you meet? What conversations can we start? What obstacles can we remove? Because how will you respond? Because at the end of all of this, we will be remembered for something. And the question we have to ask is, how would we like to be remembered? My prayer, guys, my hope, is this challenge that Paul gives uh, this church in Philippi in verse 27 would definitely be true of this when he says this. Not if something terrible happens. Not if everything is good. Not if we're surrounded by bad news. But whatever happens, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Like, do you want that this season? Do you want to stand firm? God wants to take your obstacles and turn them into opportunities. Let us be the kind of church that does not simply react. Let us be the kind of church that responds. Let's pray. God, thank you for this day. God, thank you for the opportunity right now uh, to just talk about some things that matter. Thank you for this letter to this church in Philippi that in a lot of ways we get to see in a different way Paul's situation. God, I pray we would be the kind of church that does not sit back idle while the world is hurting, but we would be the kind of church that steps into the pain, steps into the hard things, that we hand our obstacles over to you and allow you to create so much opportunity. God, I know you know this about me, but I am so excited for the things that are gonna come out of this season. God, I pray we don't just get to watch. I pray we get to be a part of it. God, we love you, and we're so grateful for Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.